0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real
1: Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free
2: lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Leslie Ray. She's a background in commercial design, and uh, what's really neat about Leslie is she started her journey of investing a few years ago. And not only did she buy a duplex, but she bought a duplex out a state <laughs> with, with, with not too much experience and just having this this, this wanting and goals, right, to start her investing um, trajectory. So we get into a lot around out-of-state investing. She's built a portfolio of about 10 doors and she's getting into more and more different things around investing and building her her portfolio. And what's really neat about this is we get into like the good, the bad, and the ugly when you're out-of-state investing, because there's things that can go really wrong when you're doing that. And we talk
3: a little bit about kind of mitigate those risks. Indeed. And it is possible. So Leslie is an example of it. And she also is shared with, with us uh, pivoting about, she's changing to a changing no she's adding to her real estate investment uh flipping and we talked about what should consider and we encourage you to consider when you're pivoting a couple of very like important topics for you to think about when you're um pivoting and leveraging what you're bringing from your past life from your career that's super important and many of us, we undersell ourselves. So this is a great episode if you're looking to um, invest out of state and check it out.
1: You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
0: Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure
2: welcome back ladies this is liz and this is interest welcome back to the real estate investor show if this is your first time listening where have you been we've been doing this for quite some time now i'm totally joking <laughs> this is your first time with us thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for taking time to be on this path as we like to say this path and this journey with us to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. If you are someone who's been with us for, for a few years now and you listen to all of our episodes, welcome back. Thank you for taking time on your journey to to connect with us and to consume this. So we so appreciate that, right, Andressa?
3: Yes, definitely.
2: So as we always do, uh, one thing we uh, like to do is just kick off uh, a quick tip or a strategy. And by the way, let me introduce Leslie, Leslie Ray, to all of you. Uh, each week we interview a different woman uh, that is, you know, knocking out of the park in their own world, in their own life, whatever that means to them. And uh, so, Leslie, thanks for being on our show today.
4: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
2: Yes, we have uh, just got quite a story we're going to jump into in a moment. As we always like to do, we do like to share a very quick tip or a quick something to hopefully add value to your life. Because Andressa and I are all about Mm -hmm. adding value in a quick way, because, you know, we don't want to take a whole lot of your time. Women are busy. Women have a lot on their plates. And we're all about giving you great content in a fast way. So Andressa, what is coming up for you? What do we have for these amazing, amazing women listening to this
3: week's episode? Well, you know, when I heard the term like, oh, you got to think outside the box many times, right? But it's it's easier said than, than, than done. So I'll just share a quick example that I was like, I put effort into thinking outside the box. Didn't come like, oh, like a lighting, right? I put effort into it. And it was a very quick and simple example. My six-year-old wants to be a gamer. I was like, you don't even know what that means. what does does that mean like you saw somebody doing video games and that type of stuff and and he's like i want to play red ball four i was like what is that like what is it anyway it's a quick game with a little red ball and you do different things and i am I be honest with you. I'm very like, I don't like video games and I don't want my child to be in video games. I want him to be outside. I want him to do different things. But then I was like, I'm. let me put effort into it and understand the benefits because there are some benefits of it. And how can I play this along, right? What, what can I do for him to experience that? but also on, on mommy's terms, right? So we find a, a common ground. And he was having a very hard time because he couldn't pass the phase and he was having a hard time. He, but then I realized he was doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. Mm. And I said, listen, I'm going to share you a trick. I almost said, I'm going to share you SOPs. I didn't. <laughs> but I kind of did. I said, listen, you got to think about it prior of you taking your step. Right. You got to think about, like, okay, let's plan what are your next steps? And I swear to God, I said it's going to be three steps, right? Step number one, you're going to do this, this, and that. Step number two, what do you think you should do? And then he said it. And then step number three, you're going to do that. And I was like, okay, now tell me all the three steps before you start jumping in and trying to figure it out. And then he said it. And then at the end, when we pass the phase, once we pass the phase, we take a break. That's what the goal is. And then he came to my mom and he's like, listen, I know the trick now. The trick, vovo, which means grandma. The trick, vovo, is the thinking. Mm. We need to plan before. Then we go and then we, we do it what we said we're going to do. I was like, oh, God. All right. I got a point. I got a point. That works for me. Right. That works for me because I, and I encourage you to think about what other things with the kids, because we're very mindful in our community. We're holistic of the way that we approach. So not with your kids, with your partners, different ways that you can look at a situation that you might not be quite there yet. It's like, okay, how can the how can I make this work? What can I put in place that can, you know, propel the I I will, I want to encourage my my kid to think in different different ways, mm-hmm. and it did it. Listen, I don't I don't promise that this is gonna be. But when you have those <laughs> wins with
2: kids, you're like, I'm amazing for this one moment. In for time. this moment,
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: You know, I I've been there, and then the other day, you're like, I'm the worst mother ever. Yes, what the hell am I doing? I love that, Andressa. That's great. Exactly. You know, and you're going to give that to your son. You know, your your strategic mind. You're definitely going to give that to him. So I love that. So without further ado, Leslie, thanks again for being on our show. And we always like to ask the women on our show what what inspired you, what propelled you to uh, jump into investing in real estate.
4: Um, yeah, well, so thank you again so much for having me. I'm a, a really big fan of the podcast, and so I'm really excited to be here. Um, So I I got into real estate investing um, about two years ago. And so my background is in commercial architecture and design. So I've been working on um, commercial design build, designing commercial spaces for um, the past decade or so. And that brought me out to the Bay Area in San Francisco, where I was designing offices for a lot of large tech companies. And it was really exciting and super inspiring just to know that we were designing these spaces where you know companies were designing programs and you know building products that are you know, changing the world. Um, but then again, coming from Ohio where I'm from and moving to the Bay Area, one of the wealthiest areas in the entire world, it kind of opened my eyes to you know what does it mean to build wealth and what does that look like? And as soon as I arrived in the Bay Area I would talk to people, and they would all say, you know, San Francisco's amazing. You'll never be able to afford to buy a house. You'll never be able to afford real estate. And I kept hearing that. And I, it kind of awakened this stubbornness within me where I just, you know, I kept hearing that and I was like, well, everyone keeps saying that, but like, why do you say that? And like, have you even tried? And it kind of awoke something in me where I was like, well, I want to see if I could do it. And um, so it started getting me on this path to real estate investing and then lo and behold, you know, investing in properties and renovating properties is very much aligned with my background as an architect and designer. And so it just kind of made sense. And it totally clicked for me that I was like, wow, this is, you know, essentially something I'm doing anyways, renovating and designing spaces. And I was like, this seems like a much better business plan than what I've been doing. So that was kind of how it all started for me. And then, um, so I started, you know, learning about real estate investing and just kind of diving into that world. And then the more I got into it, because, you know, there's no way around it. The Bay Area is very expensive. But the more I was researching, it turns out that Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I was born and raised and where my parents still live, is a very good market for real estate investing. There's very good price to rent ratios there. And so that was when it really clicked for me. I figured, okay, at this time, I can't afford anything in San Francisco, but I can afford something somewhere. And, um, you know, it gives me another excuse to go back home, to see my parents, to spend time with them, gives me another connection to the area where I grew up. So that was what really got me started and what really kind of propelled me to get into real estate investing.
3: I I love what you're saying, because it's, again, it's like thinking outside the box, right? I cannot afford here. I didn't say I was going to, you know, prove you wrong that, yes, (laughs) I can buy all the houses here in the Bay Area, but I can build wealth, not just here, right? But some somewhere else, which is a lot of the the folks that are listening to us, they have that as an excuse. My, my, my market does not allow me to invest in real estate. All right, so we're just gonna break that right now, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. now you're gonna think about how can I invest outside state? um, out of state. And that is, uh, something that people have preconceptions about it. Oh my gosh, what are you, what are you talking about? I cannot even invest on my market because I have this preconception about that is difficult. Imagine far, 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 far away. So Leslie, walk us through your first deal. How did you find it? How did you finance it? And, uh, how Why did you choose that specific location besides the reasons why you just mentioned about the market?
4: Yeah. so um my first deal, it was it was a lot of lessons learned, and it to this day, it continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> um, so it was um it's a duplex, and it's in a city called Parma, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. And I was focusing on that area because it's on the west side of Cleveland, which is um, an area that's seeing a lot of growth. Uh, But Parma, since it's a suburb, it's still a little bit further out from the city. And so there's a lot of um, families and young professionals that are living there and also a lot of um, a lot of blue collar workers as well. And so I had been I had been searching for a while. I basically decided that I was ready to pull the trigger on looking for something and then from that time period until the time I actually closed, it was probably about a year. And I think part of that in hindsight was related to um, nerves, anxiety about me being new. Also, I went through a lot of different real estate agents. You know, it was a big learning curve in terms of knowing what kinds of questions to ask, knowing, you know, when to lean on the agent for certain information versus when, you know, I was you know responsible for doing all of that um, research myself. Um, And, you know, it was just a lot of falling forward or failing forward rather. And so I finally ended up after going through about four or five different agents, I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted. And then I finally got connected with my current agent now. And she so she's an investor herself. And so she was um, extremely helpful in, you know, giving me like certain things to look for. And, um, you know, just also being my boots on the ground because, even though I'm, I'm from Cleveland and my parents still live there, the, my parents are not real estate investors. They have no interest in that. And so I, you know, I didn't want to have to depend on them for anything. And so it was really important for me to build a team that I could trust and that could be my eyes on the ground. So um, yeah, so it was a duplex. It needed some work. Um, when we looked at it, the downstairs unit was vacant and that one needed some renovations. The upstairs unit had a long-term tenant in there. Had been living there for a while, and she wanted to stay. At least that's what she said. Um, so I I purchased it. Um, and do you want to know numbers? Yeah, please share it with okay, Great. Yeah, so um, I purchased it for ninety eight thousand. And um, when we were first looking at the renovations, um, we were estimating twenty five to thirty thousand. Or sorry, we were estimating fifteen to twenty thousand. It ended up being about twenty five to thirty thousand and um so i did some cosmetic upgrades on the lower level because when i purchased it there was a tenant in upstairs unit she's been there for forever that unit hadn't been renovated so i said okay perfect i have some cash flow coming in off the bat so i was really excited about that well lo and behold as soon as we close i get a call from her she says well i don't know if they told you but i got laid off from my job a couple weeks ago and so i haven't been able to pay rent and I have a new job, but I don't know when I'm going to get paid. So I don't know when I can pay you. Oh boy. Welcome. So it was not what I was, um, boy, nice, to well meet you. Marius, <laughs> nice to meet said, you. Yeah. I said, well, <laughs> conveniently that was not disclosed to me. Um, great. And so that was my first lesson learned is that I need to, um, you know, to request previous bank statements and proof of payment for tenants. So that was a, a great lesson learned. Um, she did not, she did not leave easily. And, then of course, once she left, she had been there for like, oh gosh, it must've been eight to 10 years. The unit had not been updated. She didn't take very good care of it. So I had to absorb the cost of renovating that entire unit as well, which I was not preparing to do. Um, and not to mention, then I had an entirely vacant duplex with no cash flow coming in and having to renovate both of the units. So, um, so we, I should mention, as I was having these conversations with her, cause that was about a two month process to get her out. So while we were having that conversation, we started renovations on the lower unit, which was got like new flooring. We did some paint, uh, carpet, just like super basic stuff. And so we started marketing that unit to rent. And I was very happy with that contractor. He did a great job. He was actually really great at communicating, very reliable. And so then when it came time to renovate the upstairs unit. I said, okay, great. Let's get him back on to renovate this. And so I called him up and he's like, well, I'm really booked out at this time. I won't be able to get to it for another couple of months. And I was like, oh my goodness, a couple of months. I can't wait that long. I was just so eager to just get it renovated and get it rented. So I called several other different contractors and I basically just took whoever was available and had the, the lowest price. That was my second lesson learned. If if all the other contractors are busy and there's one that you come into contact with who is eager and very available, not always, but there might be a reason. And so <laughs> that was my second lesson learned, um, that, and he ended up being extremely difficult to work with. Um, I think he ended up, he took advantage of the fact that it was long distance and would, you know, call me and say, Oh, there's, here's something else that needs to be fixed. Here's something else that needs to be fixed. And, you know, as I'm sure you guys can relate to when you're in the middle of a renovation, it's it's easy to uncover a lot of additional things that can be fixed. And you know, it it's easy to say like, oh, while you're in there, just take care of it. It's another hundred dollars. Oh, what's another two hundred dollars? But that definitely really adds up. And so that was my second lesson learned was to do more due diligence on my part of the contractor. and then um, also, you know, my agent at the time, we were just starting to build our relationship. and so, Um, at this stage, now that we've been working together for a couple of years, I do feel more comfortable calling her and be like, can you just run over there and just check on this? Or like, can you give me a second set of eyes on this? But at the time, I didn't have that level of trust with her yet. So I, you know, I was kind of doing it on my own from a distance. Um, So, you know, it was a lot of lessons learned, but it all worked out and the unit got finished and we were able to get it rented. And so um, I would say the whole process took about four months to get both units fully stabilized with tenants in there.
2: That's amazing. And there's always there's always something, right? So as you're yeah. as you're pointing out, you know, investing in your first deal. We bought a duplex as our first um, project, but the thought of doing that at a state at that time would have been even like another another kind of something to work through, right? And you have to plan for. So I love your your um your your kind of your points and your your lessons there. From a team perspective, though, team is important regardless. But team becomes even cri- more critical, right, when you're not there physically. Mm-hmm. So the the your your agent. What were other important? And what have been other additions to your team? Because you've you've grown your portfolio right beyond the duplex. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious, like, how, you know, work, especially out of state, everyone wants to invest out of state because there's so much, the hot market, things are working mm-hmm. in your local area and people are looking outside more and more. It's like a big topic in our membership, right, Andressa? Mm-hmm. And more and more looking to, to invest out of state. So who would you see are some critical team members? beyond the agent, obviously a contractor, but like, what have you learned to be like, you need to have these people and this is what they
4: need to do. So my, so the agent contractor, um, I think having a a trusted friend or family member that's in that market that's local to that market as well is very helpful. As I mentioned, my parents live there. I have a lot of friends who still live there, um, given that I grew up there. And even though my parents are not actively involved by any means. They don't even know where most of my properties are. They've never even been to them. So they're not involved at all, but just the fact that I know that they're there and that I can, and the fact that I can say that to people and I can use that as a point mm-hmm. when I'm interviewing potential contractors or, you know, things like that, that gives me a sense of comfort. And I think it also indicates to people, because I hate to say it, but people do take advantage of -of out-of-state investors. And for me to be able to say, oh yeah, my parents live in this suburb and, you know, I grew up here and I, you know, the fact that I can have talking points around that, um, I think is very helpful. So I would say for people who are looking to invest in a market out of state, um, find somebody trusted that you can have there and then, you know, have that person. They don't actually have to be extremely like very active in the process, but just knowing that you have them there as a mm-hmm. backup is, uh, very helpful and a good source of comfort. Um, I think depending on your financial situation, a lender is really great to have as well. Um, so I, I'm, i no longer have a W2 job. I've since left my W2 job. And so I have a really amazing portfolio lender that I've built a relationship with. And, um, you know, even when I had my W2 job, having, a you know, just a great traditional lender, that was really, really helpful as well. So I would say those are the, the most prominent team members. The dream of
1: owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets.
3: You know you mentioned about uh, vetting a contractor right I always say like I keep saying over and over again to how important that is and and because your vetting process uh, will determine the success of the, your relationship your your, your it's gonna determine how easy or difficult the managing part is. Mm-hmm. So, talk to us about the managing part of the construction, right? You have different different uh, projects, uh, different pro- types of properties, different mm-hmm. levels of construction. What have you put in place in order to make sure that the project is moving along?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. So, for the first one that I mentioned, it was there was definitely a learning curve. Um, just in the sense that I thought I had put systems in place to start, but the contractor either wasn't following my systems or I wasn't holding true to those. Um, the main thing I would say is pictures requiring photographs um, before providing payment. And then, um, you know, some contractors will want 50% upfront, some are okay with 25% upfront, and then the remainder upon completion. Um, but photographs are definitely the most important part. And then having photographs that align to whatever the quote was or the um, the budget is. So saying like, okay, this, you said you were gonna do this. Let's see the photo of that completed or a video. Uh, I would say that's the most important part. And
3: do you and do that in a weekly basis? How often
4: or when usually, the payments are done? Yeah, usually for me, it would be, I mean, it would also depend on how long the job was. Mm-hmm. So like for the duplex renovation as I recall, I would, I would require to see photographs, uh, whenever he was requesting payment. So he would say, all right, I'm, you know, requesting payment. Like I finished the flooring, I did this. And I would say, okay, we'll send me photos of it completed. And so it usually ended up being on about a seven to 10 day basis. So like every one to two weeks. That's
2: great. And with regards to like, managing it did you have a property management company did you did the agent help the you know the realtor help you with with that or what what did that look like in terms of just you know and when did you start thinking about it right because I think sometimes yeah like, oh no this is, oh, <laughs> this is up for rent I gotta figure that out like you should be thinking about that when, when you're starting to renovate even or even before yeah. so you because they could be great sources of I would say property management companies can be great sources of helping you understand a market they're very very yeah. helpful in that
4: way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So my agent, she's a rockstar agent. She has has contractors that she works with and she also has a property management company as well. She manages properties for her investors. And so when I had been running my numbers um, for all the properties that I was looking at, I was running them all, including fees to manage for property management. But as I was going through the numbers and they were still cash flowing well, but because I was new to real estate investing, in my head i was like this is 10%, that's a lot of money i was like i don't understand what i'm paying them for it doesn't really seem like it's that hard i was like i could probably do it so i kind of went into it with that mindset where i was like i'm not going to pay someone to do something if i don't understand what their job entails i was like i could probably figure this out and so i and i had a conversation with my agent upfront where i said you know i to be honest i don't understand why i would hire a property manager like i feel like i can do this myself and so she was like, okay. And so I did manage myself for the first, it's probably about six months. And then I got to the point where I was like, I will happily pay somebody to do this for me. I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with this. I was totally fed up. So I called her and I was like, please manage this for me. And she was like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. that's fine. So, um, so then she took over management and I mean, And I will say my agent, she had been helping me out even when I was, you know, self-managing. Like there were a couple of times where she would run over to the property to like, you know, meet the delivery person or things like that. So she was definitely helping me out even though I wasn't paying her the 10%. Um, But for me, it was just a really big lesson learned and it allowed me to just have so much more empathy for property managers as well to understand what they go through.
2: I think that's great though that you, two things that you under you underwrote the property did your numbers analyze the deal if you will with it with the with the property management fee in there uh, you know and 10 i think is a is a is a great number Generous. um especially for a smaller project right duplex the mm-hmm. larger you get ladies the, you know the percent could go down you know the higher percentage you the smaller smaller projects you'll see but i i love that you ran the numbers i remember on our first fourplex um we didn't even know we should have ran the numbers that way. Didn't even include a line item for property management. We did manage it, but then you get to the point where if you don't underwrite it that way, then you're, you got to make that money up somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like, what is it's just the money's not going to fall out of the air, right? So, yeah. so then you'd be kind of beholden to it. And in essence, you have to come to, okay, we're going to keep doing this. We kept doing it because we need to quite honestly. So I love that you underwrote it that way and you had a line item in there and it worked with that. So I, I think that's a really good tip. It's a very simple tip, ladies, but it actually can really help you tremendously as you as you analyze deals. Don't forget to put something in regardless if you're going to do it at first for property management. I think 10% is very fair. The, the second point that I was going to make though is I'm a, I'm a really big fan and, and there's a different schools of thought here. The different schools of thought of whether you should manage or not, you know, and self-managed or not, you know, you now you're out of state. So God bless you for taking that on. I, I love you're like, well, I'll figure it out. How hard can this be? <laughs> I'm just a few states away. I love that. I love. I already love you, you know? But um, listen, it, it, when, you, when you get a chance to do something, you are really, it, it improves your ability to understand it in a way to then better hire for it in the future. You know, and I think, you know, I'm really grateful. I mean, we we self-managed probably for too long in some ways, but regardless, we, we self-managed our properties for 10 years. So, you know, it wasn't until we actually bought a property that was an hour and a half away that we were forced in essence to hire a third party because we did not want to let that go. And then we did, we're like, wow, this is interesting. You know, like this is a whole new level of where we can grow and focus on what we're good at. So Mm -hmm. I just say that to to, to ladies listening, different schools of thought, but if you want to grow a portfolio and you want to get into larger projects, it it is a a great strategy to self-manage. I think you learn a lot about the business. You learn a lot about the role and you learn what works and you also understand what questions to ask property management companies, because Mm -hmm. they'll tell you X, Y, and Z. And if you don't really know, you're like, okay, you you don't even know what you don't know unless Mm -hmm. you manage. So I'm... I'm more of the school of thought that I think it actually could be very helpful and um, maybe don't wait 10 years like I did, but regardless, you still want to do it and it, and you really get a chance to be, uh, like your point, you have some empathy. Listen, property management company, their work is tough. Let's just be frank. It, it just is. Mm-hmm. Andressa, you know, you you did a, a lot of that with, with some of the yeah. work, previous work you did. So anyway, I think that's great that you did that. Um I guess you look like you want to say something.
3: Yeah, I think <laughs> I can that read it on your face. You can read it on my face. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose the the thought But here here is what I'm gonna say. Um, property management companies, uh, they get beat up so much. You know, it's 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 a tough uh, business to be in a, an essential business uh, to be. I love that you did write that, even though if you're not. What I was gonna say is that a lot of people don't add the property management company line item to make the deal work. And I'm telling you, we need to stop taking things out of our spreadsheet in order to make the deal work and start looking for other (laughs) other properties. Uh, Stop taking, Oh, how about if I put less vacancy or, or higher appreciation? Oh, now it looks beautiful. Great right but if you're thinking you're gonna get a cake out of this recipe here you won't it's just not the way and um hear me out on this especially if you're getting started if you're listening this you're like how so i am getting frustrated because i already underwrote 10 deals and it it didn't make sense first of all make sure you're sharing those spreadsheets with other more experienced investors that you might be a little off but keep keep the numbers right we usually say you got to look at 100 properties in order for you to buy one that's the game so encourage you to do not change your spreadsheet i love that bulb
2: yeah that's not gonna work right Right. to convince yourself right Right. It's like, the guy, it's like the, the, the guy or gal you're dating. And you're like, <laughs> I remember my sister came home. I said, How was your date? I'll never forget this. And we joke about it now. I'm like, How was your date? And I was young. I'm six years younger than my, my older sister. She goes, um, It was good. I'm like, What do you like about him? You know, I have like nothing else to do. I'm like waiting <laughs> for my sister to get home from her date. I'm living vicariously through her. And she goes, He has a lot of CDs. That, that was the biggest compliment she can give him is CDs? that he owned like <laughs> oh, not about this like old, old CDs? oh, oh yeah. okay okay CDs, i thought it was yeah. a term oh geez <laughs> well you are younger than me andresa so you may like what's a cd no, no i know a
3: cd oh yeah yeah no, I, no, know, I would just say that it, it, it i didn't know if it was like a uh america no, no, term about something but I just totally digressed the
2: conversation. But the point is, you shouldn't be like trying to find something good at <laughs> a deal or a person for that matter. But let's do that. Let's let's transition a little bit. You know, Wesley, um, you're talking you're talking a lot, a little bit about our, our you know, our pre the pre work that we do to understand where 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 our investors are in terms of their their path. You're pivoting, and and so much of I think life, <laughs> and uh, certainly investing is pivoting, um, even for experienced investors. And you can't just put your head down and go. I do this. I'm a, I'm this one trick pony. But then you could also argue with different personalities. People get very distracted too quickly, too soon. You get involved in fifteen different things, and you're like, hold on, I'm not really good at anything. So there's this like, there's like this scale, right, of Mm -hmm. pivoting when it makes sense, and doing it in a way that um, feels good is the right move for you. But it's not like another distraction or another just something else we want to try because. X, Y, and Z didn't work. So I don't know if I have the exact answer for that because I've probably played both sides of that. But curious to hear a little bit about your mindset and your kind of thinking behind your pivoting right now. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And how are you setting yourself up to be successful
4: uh, in this new, new
2: kind of like pivot, if you will?
4: Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. And um, you know, everything of what you were just saying totally resonates with me because it's it's definitely a fine line in terms of You know, pivoting and trying different things and seeing what sticks, but also not doing it to the point where you burn yourself out. And that's definitely been something that I personally have been working on and, um, you know, honestly struggling with over the past, you know, year or so. Um, So, as I mentioned, my background is in commercial architecture and design. And so um, I was uh, specializing in designing offices. And so, you know, when COVID hit, as you can imagine, the work dried up a little bit. Uh, People weren't as interested in designing new offices because nobody's going to the office. And so I recognized that as an opportunity. And so um, I volunteered to step away from my my previous job for a little bit to focus more on real estate investing. And just, you know, I just kind of, I recognize that it was something that I'm interested in and I enjoy doing, but because... I had previously had a full-time W-2 job. I didn't have the full time and energy to commit to it. So I figured, okay, now is as good a time as any to, you know, take a step away from work. I was still working there part-time, but I was, it meant that I had more time and energy to focus on continuing to grow my portfolio. So I've been focusing on that for the past year. And so now we're up to uh, 10 doors all across Northern Ohio. So that's myself and also with, uh, with partners and, so now I'm getting ready to get into flipping. Um, I feel like I've got a good handle on the buy and hold side of things, and the more I was thinking about it, I just realized that flipping houses is just so much more in line with where my natural tendencies are in terms of you know design and architecture, just you know creating you know really nice renovated spaces for people. So now that's the biggest pivot that I'm facing right now, and that I'm focusing on at this time, and it's, it's definitely, it's been very challenging. It continues to be very challenging. Um, You know, for anybody listening, I would encourage everyone to, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of talk a lot of times about working with business coaches and mindset coaches. And, you know, I have worked with some of those people and that's been very helpful, but I find just good old-fashioned therapy to be extremely beneficial as well. And just, you know, also just reminding myself that, you know, the importance of mental health and just taking care of myself. I feel like it's really easy. Like Liz, like you were saying to be pulled in a lot of different directions and trying different things and then, you know, get overwhelmed and then you just kind of start to beat yourself up. And it's, it's a lesson I continue to, to learn. It's just, you know, taking care of myself, but also, you know, knowing like pushing myself and but knowing when to also back off.
3: Yeah. I want to highlight something that, that the. and connect list uh, in one of our membership trainings, you I don't know if you remember, but you record something and I never heard that before. So I want to just put this here for everybody to hear that you mentioned that when when you were pivoting, you pivot in one one part. When you are pivoting in multiple parts at the same time, that's just like a recipe for a disaster. And, and Leslie, you are pivoting to to flips or adding that to your strategy, but you have the construction knowledge uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as a background. So for, for you guys that are listening, how will it look like, right? Oh, I'm pivoting to uh, flipping and I have no clue. <laughs> what to do. And it's going to be in uh, Minnesota. So there's too many pivotings happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's even a word pivotings. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. It's okay. But if there's too many happening at the same time, you're going to lose your hair, lose your project because it's a lot. So I like what you're doing because you're mitigating the risk, and also leveraging your experience, what you have, what you can bring to the table. It's, it's a big deal. And I encourage all of you that are listening to think about what are you bringing to the table from your past life, for your career? I don't care what you have done, your your skill sets. If you're like, stay home, mom. Yes, you you can manage people, right? Mm -hmm. You can do multitask, you can do planning, you can do so many other things. So bring that to the table. And the other thing that you mentioned, Leslie, it's your mental health, you take care of your, your, your mindset. And I think that sometimes we just focus in real estate itself and not as a business as a whole. So talk to me about like the business, what are the things that you're putting in place in your business to be able to, to growth and pivot?
4: Yeah. So, um, so as I mentioned, you know, I've been living in the San Francisco Bay area for the past five years over the past several months, I've been spending, I've been kind of hunkering down during COVID in Austin, Texas, spending time with family here so I'm getting ready to move back to the Bay area now, and I'm uh, partnering up with some other people there. And so we are focusing um, specifically on areas in the East Bay, so Oakland, for those who are not familiar to flip houses there. And we decided on those areas because um, there's just larger profit margins there. And so as we were you know, kind of deciding which route we wanted to go, or if we wanted to flip properties at another market, and we were looking at the numbers, and we just kind of all agreed that if we're going to take on the risk of flipping a property, we may as well do it where the margins are larger, and we can generate larger profits. So, um, in terms of you know setting up you know systems in place for that, uh, we're in the process of doing that now. We're actively making offers on properties right now, so um, we're making one today. Hopefully, that one you know goes through. So it's it's very exciting. And yeah, so I'm really excited just, you know, for that, I'm excited to actually be more hands-on because even though investing long distance has been really great and I've learned a lot, I actually kind of gotten, I kind of got bummed out, you know, not being able to be actively involved in the renovation process. And, um, you know, in some ways it's been nice to be able to be a little more hands-off or, you know, it's forced me to be hands-off, but I like being able to go to job sites and talk through things and, you know, try different paint colors and try different materials and see how they look there. So I'm really excited to just be more active and hands-on. And I think it'll just, you know, continue to inspire me and you know, my partners to just continue growing our business. So um, yeah, so that pivot is um, you know, the biggest pivot that I'm taking right now and I'm super excited about it because it's just something that's really aligned with my background and my passion and, You know what i'm looking for
2: love that and and, you know i i also would say you know in terms of pivoting there's two things when you when you pivot you want to bring all the great learnings you had from the previous right obviously Mm -hmm. like what did i learn and like my greatness like we were saying everyone i just and i obviously talk to women all the time and so many women just undersell themselves undersell what their capabilities are and women um so much to bring to the table so that's one part of it, but, but the other part of it too, but when you pivot is what didn't work on the previous business project, like, cause if you don't like have that come to Jesus meeting with yourself, you know, you're going to bring that into the new, the new thing. And I can't tell you that, um, I never did that, you know, and we, we were pivoting too quickly, too soon when we kind of started our investing, my husband and I, um, we really should have looked ourselves in the mirror more than we did. Around this didn't work. This partnership style didn't work, or you know whatever it was. Um, what can we do differently as we pivot? You know what can we do differently? So we there's a shortcoming, there's a gap, and I believe that your best entrepreneurs, your most successful entrepreneurs, know there's a gap, but they 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 manage the gap and they 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 use it as an as, a, as a, an advantage but they don't like, A, they don't know. It's like they're, they're ignorant to the gap and B, they've actually managed it and they figured it out. And how do we compensate for that, so to speak, in this new venture, in this new pivot? Um, again, I'm not saying I've mastered that necessarily, but I know enough to know that when you pivot, you're literally going to just bring yourself, you're bringing yourself to the next thing. So the good, mm-hmm. the bad, and the ugly, you know, and, and you really need to do that deep, assessment, in my opinion, because you will bring the same things you you did on on that one, you know, on the rentals or what have you, or the flips, you're going to bring there. And that may not be effective, right? Um, So so I do love that you're pivoting. And I love that you're you're talking about how active you want to be. And I I just want to reiterate that too. Everyone has different goals. Some people want to be really hands-on. Other people are like, I don't want to be hands-on. I don't want to know about the paint colors. I don't care about the paint colors. And you're like, what? I love that. I love that stuff. So again, what's really neat about our community and what's really neat what we're building is like there's women that want it all different things. And what's beautiful is like you really can, you know, build something magical with people who just want different things, which is super cool. So I love that you're you're in like the trenches, um, you know, and other people are like, I don't want to be in the trenches. Well, awesome. That could be a good partnership. <laughs> so I wanted to just quickly mention that. Um, Leslie, where can the ladies listening, um,
4: learn more about you and, um, connect with you further? Yeah. Yeah. So the best way to connect with me right now is, um, just through email. Uh, you can reach me at Leslie L E S L E Y at beam B E A M dash properties.com. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, in the midst of doing this pivot, we're going to be, you know, creating more of a brand and have something more there, but we're not quite there yet. So the best way to get in touch me at this time is, um, through my other my other company.
3: Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is what's the most transformational book you have ever read?
4: I would say I've got to go with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Classic.
3: There we go. One more for that. One more point for (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) The second question is what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
4: Um, I would say it's, it's a tie between uh, meditating every morning and going to yoga. I don't go every morning, but I, I try to go every morning at 6am class to start my day off.
3: Awesome. And the last question is which woman famous or not has inspired you the most?
4: Um, oh, geez, that's a really great question. I mean, I love Michelle Obama. I just love her. So, I yeah, I guess oh no. No, Oprah. Oprah. I love Oprah. It can be. She's bad. my favorite. It can be. Bad. Yeah. I say okay. Oprah.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much Leslie for being on our show. Thank you for sharing yourself with us and our community. We appreciate you so much and good luck with everything. I see good yeah. things happening in the, in, the, in that area for you. So, appreciate you so
3: much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time.